One of the things that um, you need to know about me, um, first of all, I'm Austin. I am one of the pastors here. But second of all, um, I don't always bring something up to, to preach with. But when I do, it's coffee. Like anybody else with me, little coffee lovers up in here? Uh, I know, awesome. Uh, one thing you'll know about me is I'm at least a two-cupper, maybe a three-cupper a day. Um, sometimes I, f- I forget that this is not actually considered water, and it doesn't hydrate me. It makes me feel super good. But one of the things, and I didn't always grow up drinking coffee. Um, I actually uh, worked uh, for almost 10 years at Starbucks, but it wasn't until I was 25 that I started drinking coffee. I was taking a Hebrew intensive class, and uh, it was um, all day, 9 uh, to 3 o'clock, but every day we had a quiz, so we were up at 6 o'clock studying. And if you're up that early as a, as a college student, you need some coffee. I didn't like it. full of uh, I made it full of sugar and cream, uh, but now I am happy to say that I'm a purist. This is a black cup of coffee. And during my time working at Starbucks, one of the things that they want you to do is to develop your palate for coffee, uh, be able to kind of talk with uh, your customers about it. And one of the things that we learned, and maybe you need to learn today too, is that um, coffee is good, but by itself, it's just good. But when you pair it with something else, ooh Lord, it's like ratatouille, your brain gets blown by the combinations, right? And I brought up a couple combinations um, that I love as we're talking about this series called Together. Um, you know, some, your classic scones, super dippable, right? Right, you got your biscottis. If you don't know what a biscotti is and you haven't dipped and you had uh, some coffee with a biscotti, change your life. Um, these little things, has anybody, does anybody know what these are? They're like uh, flavored filled straws, like this is a hazelnut one. I've probably had about 20 already this morning. Um, but here's the thing you need to know. Me. What is better together? It's a little donut and coffee. Take a bite of donut, take a drink of coffee, and your, your life is going to be changed. It's true. The thing that I learned is we are, that coffee and um, a pastry is better together. And the truth is, like we're going to talk about today, what we're talking about this whole year, is that we are actually better together. Our togetherness actually is pleasing to God. Like we talked about it last week, how it's a sweet fragrance. I would even say that when we are together as one body, that it is like uh, pastry and coffee. It is pleasing to the Lord's palate. It is good. Um, and one of the things that we are talking about this morning um, and what we're living into is that, yes, coffee is good by itself. Donuts is good by itself. But they are better together. And what we were talking about this morning and we want you to walk away with is we are better with you than without you. We, as a body of Christ, that God has proclaimed that we are better with each other than without each other. You don't believe me? Let's turn into God's word um, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 22. If you have a Bible in front of you, I'd encourage you um, to um, open it and read it with us together. It'll also be up on the screen. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse, um, starting at verse 12. It says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one Spirit to drink. That even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not... It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I should not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And I love this part. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable retreat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. With our presentable parts need, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put on the body together, giving great honor to the parts that have lacked it, so there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we ask that in this word this morning, God, that you would be that you would become greater. God, greater than our own convictions or our thoughts or our preferences. God, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Would you change us? Would you mark us as we are changed by your love? God, so would we walk out of this place to share the love that you have given to us as a free gift from your Son. God, you are uh, the one that gives us life this morning. So we say thank you. Thank you for this life. Thank you for this breath. We ask this in your name. Amen. Church, there are um, a couple of truths that I want to hit to you real quick. Um, and to change the way that we think about our togetherness. And the first one is that it's just right at the beginning. Our many parts, our many parts reflect the full image of God, right? Like it, the whole thing through there, that we are each individually made in the image of God and that our collective gathering together fully reflects this image of God. Our diversity is essential to the body of Christ. Our diversity is essential in reflecting the fullness of God. And I like to say that in plain language, is that with you, I better understand who God is because he has uniquely made you and wired you different than me. Man, if there were only me's up here, we would have a very limited scope of who Jesus is. There'd be a lot of people hyped up on caffeine and like a lot of sugar. And that's all we would know about Jesus. And maybe he'd like to eat together with us. That would be it. Like together, that our reflection and the fullness of God, that he has uniquely made each one of us so that we reflect who he is together. That in our belonging together, that we are better with you than without you is because without you, we don't know God as well as we can. This is so important for us as a church. And also that, that, if, that if that is really true, if we hold that as the truth, that together we fully reflect God, who God is, that our desire 
And our conviction would be is that there's always one more that needs to be a part of our body. That in here in Pine Lake and in the church and the body, it never says no vacancy. Like how much would just that conviction change how people understand the church? That, oh man, I feel like they have enough, right? Or it's, I'm not good enough to, to be there, or I'm not worthy enough, or I don't have um, enough money or something to offer the church. Like how many times did you walk around and you see, um, it's not so much anywhere, but I remember Motel 6 and like no vacancies, and you just walk by in uh, town after town, right? When it says no vacancy, you just got to keep going and keep going and keep going. Like I wonder how many people feel like they have to go by church after church after church because it's like, man, there's no vacancy. We got who we got, and we're good. At Pine Lake, we really believe that our parts reflect the full image of God so that we are a kingdom church and we are a kingdom people that always has a plus one. Always, always bring one more. Always. Inherent in who you are as you call this place home means you always have an invitation for a plus one. Whoever, it doesn't matter. You don't have to RSVP with that person's name. It is always a plus one. That is who the kingdom of God, that is who the people of God is. Not only that, not only that, but the second thing that we need to hear is that we belong together. You belong. You absolutely and utterly belong. And this is one of the things that I think is, is inherently, not only if we really believe that everyone reflects the image of God, but we say you belong. You belong together. That We belong together. You belong with us. And this is so true because think about this. Is that in this text, when the body of Christ, who is made up of different many parts, different convictions, different thoughts about how you should live, that they are all together in one, in different place. But then Paul, talking to the Corinthian church, that's really like, really inherent in them is like this division of who's in, who's out. Not waiting for people at the table when they come to communion. Keeping people out. But he's saying this. He makes it really clear right before he gets to that iconic love chapter. He says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Church, how many times do we say, like, unless you're this or that, or you come with these giftings, we don't need you? The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Right? The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. That Jesus is right here proclaiming the truth is that those who all feel alone, uninvited, are now accepted and welcomed into the body of Christ. That those who are on the margin or who feel like they are worthless or feel like they don't have something to offer are now fully invited to participate in the body of Christ, into his body, not because one of the other body parts said you are worthy or not, but it said Jesus says you are worthy. You cannot say because I have already proclaimed their worth and their value. And so body, you can't tell one another that they don't need you. This would revolutionize, and I think this is when you create and walk into churches or walk into communities or have or engage with Christians who feel like, man, they are better, you are better with them than without them. When you walk into churches like, man, I'm so glad you're here, not because of what you can bring, but because you are here, because you're made in the image of God, and I need you. Whether you feel worthy of it or not, 
And I wonder how much in the quarrels and divisions that we see amongst our church, if we began and started from the point that says, man, if you don't agree, agree with me or don't like me, I can't say to you, man, I don't need you. I absolutely 100% need you. That we operated in the authority of Christ that says in our lives that we can't go around and tell people who don't belong here. Far too often it has, happens in churches. That to say, if you don't look like us, you don't think like us, you don't act like us, you don't belong here. Man, here at Pine Lake, here in the Covenant Church, here we are going to say unequivocally that you belong here. And none of us, not one of us, if Jesus has proclaimed that you belong to the body of Christ, I will not come to you and say you do not belong. I can't. If I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm done. Those words will never utter out of my mouth again. Otherwise, I lop Jesus' head off and try to put myself on the top. Ooh, and if you want to try to do that, go ahead. I'm not standing next to you. We belong to one another. And with you, we are better. You utterly reflect the fullness of the image of God and who he has made you to be. And maybe you need a little bit more convincing this morning. Maybe you need to say, if I'm going to take those two truths today to say that we reflect, that you, every one of you, reflects the image of God and we are better with you than without you. And I am no longer going to say as a church, as the body of Christ, that I don't need you, that I absolutely and utterly need you because Jesus utterly says your welcome here. Maybe you need a little bit more convincing. Maybe you need to just understand one thing before you kind of like live fully into that. When we talk a lot about like what does it look like for us to step out and live this way, maybe you need a little bit more moment with Jesus. Maybe you need a little bit more convincing that you do reflect the image of God, that we are better with you than without you, and that you do belong with Christ and with one another. Because I want you to say this. If we're going to walk differently in this togetherness, we need to be conviction as a church that every single one of us matter. Every one of us matter. From the littles to the dinosaurs. Right? If you're a dinosaur, I hope I'm not offending you. We love you. You're worthy. <laughs> You live such a legacy, right? I'm just, I'm, whether it is old or young or anywhere in between, we are worthy. You matter, not only to God, but to the body. It says this. This is one of the things that I think um, is really uh, important in this text. It says this in verse 18. It says, but in fact, can you just stop for a moment? It says, but in fact, this is not up for a debate. We're about to say yes, it's not up for debate. Every, that God has placed all the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Not up for debate. That every one of us, that God has put us in the body exactly where he wants us to be, and it's not a mistake. 
the passions, the way you walk, the way you talk, the, the, the family that you were born into, the places. It is not a mistake. Who you are isn't a mistake, and he's placed you exactly where he wants you to be. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we need to kind of hold on to that fact that you are made with purpose and intentionality. And that Jesus didn't like finish you and go like, have fun, figure it out. Psalm 139 says it this way. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven into the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You were fearfully and wonderfully made before your days even began. Because something like happens when we get consciousness and we start to grow up, like even from a young age, my four-year-old thinks he's the center of the world. He comes up and grabs my attention. And when I'm in mid-conversation, when I'm driving, he thinks he is the cat's meow and he deserves our full 100% attention. Like how many of us that before you were even born, before your days started, God knew every one of them. And that before your days even started, he had formed you and knit you exactly the way he wants you. And that when he looked at you, when he finished, and he looked at you, he said, it's good. Oh, it's so good. It's like a painter that ends and looks at their work and says, wow, it's a masterpiece. That's what he calls you. Can we get to this point, church, as the body of Christ, that we look around at one another and say, like, we're not trying to pull out what flaws you we look around and say, man, God has intricately wired them and created them to look different, to act different, to talk different, to think different. And I am so thankful that God did that because he made you and it makes us better. Maybe you need to just sit here with the fact that you are fearfully, wonderfully made. And before a day started, God worked so much into you, not because he wants to make a perfect product, because he loves you. He cares for you. You have value. You are completely loved and valued. You are created by the utmost wonderful God who stood before all creation, and he made you. For a time such as this, to reflect in the body a better understanding, we need you. We are better with you than without you. Because if we say we don't need you and we don't need certain people, then we say we don't need God. For he made every single one of us. If we don't need his creation, we don't need the creator. Maybe you're looking around and thinking of a couple of people that you're like, I don't need them. And I wonder if we're proclaiming that we really don't like the creation. And I wonder then, do you not like the creator? Trust me, I know we mess it up. Like I'm a super flawed version of it. My sin, 
sometimes tarnishes this. But God made us good. And the last thing that we want to talk about, the last thing that I think when you, after you really sit and really fully know that you are wonderfully made, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, this is what I want to encourage in our togetherness. You have a special purpose. You have a special purpose. To play in God's kingdom. You're not, you're not, your purpose isn't to just flaunt and be like, oh my gosh, look at me how good I am. Man, your purpose is to get in the game. Like in the body parts, I'm just, ooh, I'm, I told my wife I was deciding if I was going to say this or not. Oh, I'm just going to say it because you know I just say it. I just say things. I'm real. Like, we talk about body parts in the church, and I'm not just saying here, here at Pine Lake. I'm saying in my growth, in my being raised throughout the church, there are far too many butts in the church. Because a lot of us think butts are just for sitting. But I don't know about you Pacific Northwest, because when I go on hikes, my butt does a lot of work. For real. It is meant to move. It is meant to be a part of the body. It is meant to be used for the edification of experiences that you go about and do. Church, maybe another one. I'm going to go total man thing. Like, seriously, one of the things that we if you are fearfully and wonderfully made, if you reflect the image of God, if you are worthy and you matter, please get off the bench and in the game. How many of us are struggling with Jesus and Christianity that we think, man, I don't want any a part of this, but we're doing it sitting down like, this is boring. Like, I'm, trust me, my, my daughter goes around and she goes, brushing teeth is boring. Flushing the toilet is boring. Sleep is boring. Like, I wonder how much you like, Jesus is boring. I was like, you're sitting on the bench. You, every one of us have a special role to play in the church. Uniquely gifted that I can't do. And we need you in the game. We don't need you in the bench. One of the biggest lies that the church has bought into and played out over the last like 30 years that I've been plus that I've been alive, is this lie that instead of holding on to the truth that God calls his people to be a priesthood of all believers, like he set aside one tribe to be the priest, the Levites. Like y'all were going to be the priests. You're going to be in the holies of holies. Nobody can go there. But then he said, like you're a priesthood of all believers. But we've bought into the lie that if you can get into a church with some really good pastors, your kids are going to make it. Maybe you'll make it. I read something yesterday that blew my mind. It's a book that was written by my friend about um, parenting. And she said that in the Barna research that they've been doing, which is a group that does research uh, for the church, it says that Half, 50% of all kids that are actively involved in church, 50%, five zero, leave their faith. Trust me, that's my family. Two thirds. We don't have time for Jesus. Like, because we believe this lie. 
that if you can just get them to a good church and a good pastor, you're set for life. Because we do that all the time, right? Like if our kid is really good, we get them a personal trainer. We get them a specific coach to help their skill set grow in order to achieve what the goal desire is. And trust me, I man, I grew up with some great pastors, youth pastors, adult pastors, that changed my very understanding of who Jesus was and that brought me to a place where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm bought in. I'm all into this Jesus thing. I'm all in. But I can tell you countless more stories of how to our togetherness and our body of Christ changed my walk. It was not a pastor who affirmed my call into ministry. It was a young lady who I'd known for like 10 years as a kid who wrote me a letter after the church gave me an honor to kind of speak once in front of the church. And she said, son, you're called. It wasn't a pastor. Dude, it was Sunday school teachers. It was youth group leaders, not pastors, who dug into me that caused me. These were professors. These were mentors. These were brothers and sisters in Christ that I chose to do life with together in college and in seminary. Not the elites. Yes, I gleaned a ton from them. But what changed my life was buying in really to the truth is it's the body of Christ that matters. Guys, I'm a coach. My role here at the church is, I'm a player coach. I love to be in the game. I'm going to be downstairs doing whatever needs to be done. Moving chairs, cooking food, like whatever it is. But I'm also a coach. I'm not sitting there. I'm not the star pitcher. I'm not the reliever that comes in and closes out the ninth. That's all of us. Please, we got to get out of this mindset. We got to live, we got to get out of the lie that says, if you just get to the right church, everything will be okay. Man, church, we need you. We need you so bad because you are uniquely made. You have a special purpose. And without you, we're less than. And then I also have that thing to say is like, if you're sitting there with a special purpose and a role to play and something, God calls on you and you're like, uh-uh, nope, I'm not coming in. Yeah, I wonder why Jesus is like, man, mm, he's okay. I'll fall back on him if, you know, nothing else suits. Man, church, this, the body of Christ is, parents, hear me. You are your kid's number one hope to having a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Church, hear me. The studies say that you need at least five people in your life in order to have a chance at being a lifelong follower of Jesus. We need you with or without you. We are better with you than without you. Church, I just, I can't say it enough. This is why, like, I love our staff, but our staff aren't the aces. You are. God has specifically called us called me to play a certain role, and I know it well. I know and I'm convinced what he has gifted me and equipped me is to be someone who is hospitable that invites people in, that creates room at the table for everyone, but also is building up people, equipping them to know and love and follow Jesus. My job, my calling is uniquely to be a coach who likes to play the game. 
We need you. Our togetherness hinges on you understanding the fact that you are reflected in the image of God, that we are better with you and without you, that we can't say that you don't belong or that you're not needed. We are better together. Church, will you pray with me? Father, as we come, I pray that that truth would settle in our hearts, not just right now, not just this week, not just this month, but for the rest of our lives. But as David said it so wonderfully, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Paul affirmed it through your word that we have a specific purpose. God, if we don't know our worth, our value, or our purpose— God, I pray that we will seek no one else but you to find it. God, but even in the midst of still finding that, I pray that we'll jump in. We'll jump in and try it. God, I'm asking you, come. Do only what you can do. Do only what you can do. So right now, I just, I just want to pray for that person that's in the room who is online or has been circling the peripheral, not feeling that they're invited into this space, into this body. God, would you come? Would you tell them, not by my words, but your words, that we can't say that they don't belong? God, if you've proclaimed it, you've ordained it, I'll accept it. I'll love who is called here, who's called into this body. I will seek to understand you better through everyone that walks through these doors and walks into our lives. So God, would you come? Would you change our very being. We ask this in your name. Amen.